The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. For the end of this sitting, the first half is just a simple meditation to get more settled into your body. It helps you to feel more connected to your body. You might think of sitting up a little straighter. Feeling the energy of the body. And then feeling where your body touches the floor, either your feet or your knees, your legs your butt against the chair, against your cushion, the base of your body. And feel that contact, the chair or the floor. And as you exhale, Can you relax that part of your body? Soften and open up at the part of your, the base of your posture. Almost as if you're letting go to the pull of gravity. So you feel a solid, good connection with the chair, your cushion, the floor. And then a little bit up from that, your upper legs, area around your hip joint and waist, to feel that. And let that, as you exhale, relax and open up that part of your body, the next level up in a sense. And let go so it can be received and supported by the part of your body underneath that. Exhale and let go, soften. Let yourself, release yourself, the pull of gravity to create more of this solid base, stability. And then a little higher in your body, the area of your your belly, your lower back, your waist. Perhaps you can soften your belly. Your stomach maybe hangs forward and maybe drops down. 
as you exhale, let go. The weight of that part of the body. Feel the pull of gravity. Feeling a solid base, bottom half of your body. For a lifetime, your bottom half of your body has supported the upper half. In any way, you can relax or soften the muscles of your lower part of your body. See if you can let go and relax, open up, settle in. And then your upper torso, your rib cage in the front and the back of your body, your upper spine. As you exhale, these are some ways, maybe subtle, that you can release, relax any holding in your body. Relax your upper half of your body so it settles onto the lower half of your body, supported. Then the upper part of your body, your neck, your shoulders, your head. If there's any ways that you can relax and soften, let go. Your whole body. Breathing in and breathing out. Maybe you can imagine that your body becomes open and porous, receptive. The shoulders soften to the pull of gravity. The arms Any bracing or holding in the arms can be softened. Perhaps now feeling the energies of your body, the vitality, any sense of aliveness you have in your body
Take a few moments now to really feel the sensations of your body as they appear, letting your attention roam around. Whatever sensations you feel in your body are the symptoms of being alive now. body, our physical body, is the home for our emotions, our moods, how we feel. And you might tune in now to how you're feeling. What's your emotional state? Anything is fine. Could be subtle. But what's your emotional mood or state that you have? And how's that felt in the body? What parts of the body are activated, alive? With the mood, the emotional state, what parts don't have much? As you exhale, is there some way that you can soften and relax, open up around your emotional being? Even if you don't feel much emotions, more of an openness to that part of you, tenderness or vulnerability or openness. Some emotions are felt more in the belly, stomach area, some in the chest. Some ways of feeling are more in the face and the head. Some in the arms, back, the shoulders. Some emotions come with little movements of tension or tightening or heightened sensitivity in parts of your body. So here we are, breathing alive in this body And for the next uh, few minutes, last little while of the sitting, I'd like to introduce the topic for the day for you to contemplate. And as you contemplate it, 
Notice what happens in your body. Notice what happens to your emotions in your body. Be open and curious as you actively reflect and think about this topic. So what is your relationship to your sexuality? beliefs and attitudes and feelings and emotions to yourself as a sexual being, to your sexuality. Or to the topic of sexuality, to the best of your ability, kind of think about this, look at it from different perspectives, but notice what happens inside of you your body, your emotions. Considering sexuality perhaps over your lifetime. Thinking about your relationship to sexuality. What are the ways in which you would be comfortable and not comfortable discussing your sexuality with others? And as you think of it, what happens in your body? What happens in your emotions? As you think about your sexuality, 
you become more settled, less settled, more caught up in thought, less, what happens to you? Is there joy or is there sorrow or distress in contemplating the subject of today? In contemplating your sexuality or sexuality in general? minute of this sitting, come back to your breathing, see if you can relax your thinking mind, let go of your thoughts, take a few minutes to breathe, connect to your body and settle in again.
So welcome to our Dharma practice day. And um, <clears throat> we're kind of now in getting to the middle of the series for the year, which is um, Mindful Steps to an Ethical Life, looking at how mindfulness practice supports uh, being ethical. My assumption is that you're all, all of you are ethical, fairly ethical, high ethical standards, but but there's always room to explore our ethics and ethical behavior further. It's, um, and it's a normal thing for people who do practice meditation and mindfulness. To, they tend to become more ethical, um, more careful around their ethics, more interested in how to take care in their behavior and their speech so as not to cause harm to others. And um, <clears throat> so we're kind of, excuse me, I thought it was going to come, it'll sneeze. It came. So, um, the, um, and <clears throat> the reference point for the, the ethics uh, is our mindfulness practice and what's called the ten skillful actions. Uh, in, uh, for lay Buddhists, there's uh, the five precepts, which are often the moral code to live by, but a, a richer, more meaningful, I think, um, guideline for, for behavior and ethics in <clears throat> Buddhist tradition is what's called the Ten Skillful Actions. And um, these involve uh, three activities of the body, four activities of, the, of speech, and three activities of the mind. And the three of the body are uh, not to kill, not to steal, and not to engage in sexual misconduct. And the four of the, of the speech have to do with not lying, not slandering, not um, <clears throat> having harsh speech, and something that's called idle speech, no idle speech. And then the three of the body, of the mind, or the heart, have to do with uh, uh, avoiding greed, avoiding hate, and avoiding um, what's called wrong view. So we're going to going through these over the course of the year, and today the topic is the third of these ten, which is uh, no sexual misconduct. And the theme of, the, of this Dharma practice series is not so much um, uh, ethics exactly, but rather the mindfulness, the approach of mindfulness to ethical, these ethical, eth- ethical issues, with the idea that um, uh, the reference point of, that mindfulness provides gives a very different um, um, guidance for us about how to behave than would be if it was rule-based. If you had uh, rules that said, thou shalt not do these different things, um, it's kind of like an external standard that then you're trying to keep yourself by. And then you're struggling with how to fit those external standards. But when you have mindfulness as your foundation for ethics, then there's no external standard, but rather the standard is uh, the information that comes out of yourself, the information of your uh, of your body, information of your of your emotions, information of your own mind, and your own sensitivity. And what we find <clears throat> is that <clears throat> uh, it's a much more uh, harmonious and, and wise approach to ethics if it comes out of our own being, our own sensitivity, than if it does coming out of some abstract concepts and ideas of what we should and shouldn't do. So the uh, cultivating of a heightened sense of heightened sensitivity 
uh, high, uh, ethical sensitivity is a big part of the Buddhist approach to ethics. So that's kind of what we're exploring here. For those of you who are new to this kind of day, um, we do it in a variety of ways through the day. We do it some meditation, guided meditation, some teaching that I'll do. We'll do some discussion as a group, and there'll be some opportunities for discussion uh, in smaller groups as well, because it's the personal engagement in community with others on Dharma topics that is a really f- a fantastic way of deepening in the Dharma. And um, it's one thing to practice meditation. It's another thing to um, actually talk about uh, our life in the context of medita- meditation, meditation practice in the context of the Dharma that allows it to become richer and more meaningful and go deeper in us. It's very different than just reading a book or listening to a talk if we talk about it. And these days are meant to help support community as well. So there's a lot of chances to talk. And we'll talk, lunch, lunchtime will be a free time to talk. And, and it's one of the times here at IMC where there's more chance to kind of connect with others and uh, develop more of a practice relationship with others, sharing the Dharma practice. Um, the day will be made up of four kind of sections. And um, there'll be so two sections this morning with a break in between and then two sections in the afternoon with a break in between. And uh, we'll look at this topic uh, uh, over these in four different ways. The, um, the, so the topic for today is sexuality. And, um, and the first th- thing I'd like to do is to... Um, um, not, uh, there's a very strong tendency to, to, to treat sexuality when, in Buddhist circles in this kind of discussion ethically. Um, so, I mean, it's a natural thing to do because it's, the context of it is this, you know, not, uh, uh, avoiding sexual misconduct. It's kind of an ethical issue. But um, the... Um, um, For all people, whether they're celibate monastics or non-celibate uh, lay people, uh, sexuality is an important part of human life. Uh, even people who are celibate would say, "Well, there's no sexuality; it's not part of my life." You know, I'm asexual. But even being asexual is a kind of way of being sexual, and so it brings up issues and concerns and things to notice and pay attention to. And the th- idea is that we're all sexual beings one way, even if we're asexual. It's all kind of part of our, our makeup. And being sexual, <coughs> our sexuality involves many different things. It involves our sexual behavior, but also involves how we relate to our particular sex that we have uh, and how our society relates to sex and gender and issues like that. And generally, Buddhism has not done a very good job at bringing a lot of mindfulness and care this area of life. Uh, some schools of Buddhism puts more emphasis in than others. But uh, one theory is that the reason for this is uh, that you know, it's mostly a monastic tradition and monastics are celibate. Another theory is that <clears throat> uh, what sexuality uh, was in the ancient world is very different than what it is in the modern world. And we have a whole different understanding and approach and sensitivity or values that come into play with sexuality that maybe didn't exist so much in the ancient world. Some people argue that the idea of romantic love, for example, is a relatively modern phenomenon. Uh, it's a little bit hard to believe, but people say that the romance movements, the troubadours, and you know, back in the beginning of the Middle Ages, 
was very instrumental in uh, creating the context for Western romantic love, which from the West has now spread into the world. With When I was in Burma, um, uh, in the monastery there, the na- neighboring uh, mo- uh, village had the loudspeaker. They play rock and roll music 24 hours a day. But it was all, uh, it was Western songs, but it was all uh, sung in Burmese. So I, I heard um, Madonna's uh, Just Like a Virgin in Burmese. I don't know what the words actually said, but over and over again. So we, you know, the West has, to some degree, also exported, um, exported our, our understanding of these things, or attitudes, or approach. Um, but I think Buddhism, uh, for whatever reason, um, hasn't really given a lot of emphasis and time on this. Uh, maybe also uh, uh, Indian Buddhism perhaps has been a little bit um, uh, prudish around sexuality so that it's a little bit, uh, you know, it's not really, it's maybe uh, sometimes a feeling that sexual activity is, has its domain in its place, its importance, but it's not something that spiritual people do because spirituality in India often was meant for renunciants, meant for people later in their life, it meant to become be pure. Purity and spirituality were closely connected in ancient India. And so sexuality is something about which people then wasn't quite pure. And so therefore you don't actually address it in your sexual, in your, in your spiritual teachings very much. As we come into the modern world, uh, especially here in the West, there's a whole different sensitivity, a whole different worldview and attitude towards our life than the ancient Indians did. And uh, we have a huge... Um, number of people practicing Buddhism in the West in a way it was never been done before in Asia. Uh, serious meditators, serious uh, people going on retreat. People engage, you know, some people, it's a hugely central part of their life. Uh, in a similar way that in Asia, it was only monastics who practiced this intensely. But they're doing it here in the West as lay people without the uh, uh, precept of celibacy. And so sexuality then becomes a closely connected aspect of their life. And, and, um, and so then the question is, how do we practice with sexuality? How do we incorporate it within our Buddhist practice as opposed to exclude it? And say, well, I'll be a good practitioner on retreat where we're supposed to be celibate. And then when I leave the retreat, you know, I just won't practice. I'll practice my mindfulness in that part of my life. I'll just jump right in, whatever we do. <clears throat> or avoid it or close down or try not to think about it. And, um, but how do, since it's, you know, I would argue that it's uh, a very important part of life and rather than leaving it off stage, how do we bring it on stage so it be, be incorporated as part of it? Um, we have mindfulness, there's, there's books now on mindfulness of driving, mindfulness of eating, mindfulness of speaking, um, mindfulness at work all kinds of things and uh, I don't know if there's a book on mindfulness and, sec- and sex probably there is but uh, there's, there's a book called Mindfulness and Poker <laughs> so there must be a book on mindfulness and sex out there but uh, it's not really I don't even know they have it at the bookstore at Spirit Rock and you know it's, it's not really it doesn't get that much prominence so um, so to look at uh, sexuality um, so the first thing I'd like to do this morning is to explore, or have you explore, um, and, and explorations we'll do today. There'll be some discussions you'll do with others. Uh, I'm very aware that the issue of sexuality can be very personal 
and difficult for people to talk and want to share something so intimate with each other. So the way that the discussions will go is uh, they're going to be... There's no requirement in these discussions to get very personal. You can if you want, but um, the way that the topics will be, uh, I think hopefully you'll feel quite comfortable in sharing and exploring as we go through this day. And at the same time, hopefully it'll be meaningful to do it. Uh, Hopefully not so abstract that it has no personal meaning either. So the topic I'd like to start this morning with is um, um, if you were going to be mindful, if it, no, I'll say you, if a person was go, is going, you can talk about those people. <laughs> if, uh, if a person was going to be mindful of their sexuality, what are the, some of the different things they could be mindful of? The area of sexuality, what's the area, what's the domain, what are the different aspects of sexual, sexuality, that one would be mindful of if one was to bring mindfulness to it? So, you know, for example, I'm just making this up, but if, uh, if I asked, you know, if you're going to be mindful as you are driving, a mindful driver, what were the areas of mindfulness that you bring to driving? Uh, well, first of all, you want to be mindful of what's happening in the present moment. You probably want to be mindful of your posture and how you're sitting. You want to be mindful of your, um, what's going on around you. You want to be mindful maybe of how you're holding the steering wheel and your speed. Mindful of your body and the tension you have in your body as you drive. Um, a variety of things you'd pay attention to as you, you know. Um, and you can kind of list these different kinds of things. So what are, what's the area that you would explore and be, be mindful of if you were being mindful of sexuality? Does that make sense? And uh, I've kind of uh, said, worded it that way, sexuality, uh, with the idea that that's a very broad word, sexuality. It, it encompasses almost everything that could fit under the word subsexuality. Um, and I did that intentionally, so each of you can uh, explore it in the ways that seem, you know, come to mind for you. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's permission to kind of touch into this topic in a very, very broad, open way. Well, you know, if you're going to be uh, aware of, of, be mindful of sexuality, what would you be aware of? Um, and, it, you know, in, so you don't have to get into the personal details of, you know, that you don't want to share, just, you know, this is the area. Does it make sense? And, um, and I like it that, the, that there are so many different possible answers to this because so many different areas of our life that fit under the category sexuality. So it, uh, that allows you to kind of stretch and f- explore what are all the different ways and different places and times and areas. And that, uh, so what would, it, you know, what would you bring mindfulness to? Is that clear enough? Okay, so um, uh, we'll do it in groups for a little while, and then at some point I'll ring a bell to interrupt the conversation, and then I'm going to add uh, another little twist to the conversation, just another angle to it, uh, so then you can c- continue your conversation. So uh, what I'd like to suggest is that um, to divide up the groups by gender. 
So to have, I think there's uh, about seven men that can make one group can sit over there with Richard and somehow over there. And that uh, I think for the women, maybe you can uh, make two groups. And maybe, I think it's about, let's see, one, two, three, I count 14, and now 15 coming in. So if you could be uh, groups of, uh, two groups, uh, so I think um, seven, seven in each group. Or it looks like it's going to be eight in each group. So there's going to be a group of uh, eight women sitting over in that corner, and a group of eight women sitting around here, up on the stage or someplace. And if you could be careful with the count, so we have more equal, equal size, that would be great. And the, the two women who are just arriving are going to have to be filled in. Um, so, so, you, so you can just stay where you are because there's a group that's going to join you. Seven women are going to join you. And then, um, so, so why don't you... And so you'll talk probably for about 10, 15 minutes on the first topic and then I'll offer you the other one and then continue for another 10 minutes and then we'll take a break. Okay? So please. Sexuality as well as um, sensuality came up. Just, mm-hmm. uh, you know pleasure from the senses, you know, smelling flowers or massage. Uh-huh. Um, oh, mindfulness of judgments around sexuality, mindfulness of fear around sexuality. And Great. That's a great list. Thank you. Uh, other thoughts from that group? You have the mic over there. Anyone else? The men have nothing to say. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm uh, I'm from Oregon. I've been listening to the podcast for a few months, and uh, most of your podcast skill and uh, I, I knew I just had to get down here and you know experience the room and, and what's going on here uh, so I'm here for the day um, we talked about a few different things I think the mindfulness around how our sexual drive um, relates to other drives other decisions that we make in life that maybe we're not very mindful of or so the how mindful are we of other decisions that we make that are rooted in our sexual drive? Great. Very nice. Thank you. So any other areas that to name that one can be mindful of as one's aware of sexuality? Self-judgments, yeah. Self-judgments. No one said pleasure. <laughs> why? Why not? Why? Did, because you know, I didn't realize there was supposed to be pleasure. <laughs> Certainly, if you're a Buddhist, you're not supposed to, right? No desire, no pleasure. 
es, es que no sé. I would say also for myself is a mindfulness of of the heart in relationship to sexuality. Um, to me, they go hand in hand, and I can't imagine the expression of sexuality without there being some element of love or the heart involved. Great. Nice. I don't think so. Try it. There we go. Um, we talked a little bit about um, trying to um, be mindful of the where desire and greed meet um, and how, how they interact. So the difference between desire and greed in terms of sexuality and how those interact. Great. It's a good topic. Now I thought of something to say. Uh, I think uh, to the degree that I can be mindful uh, the more mindfulness, the better the sexual relationships can be. It's the paying attention is key to uh, successful, mutually pleasurable relationships. So you're sounding, you sound like a man of speaking from experience. <laughs> and so... So, so you're getting me in trouble now. Yeah. <laughs> so what? Um, so w- uh, what areas have you learned that are useful to pay attention to that you didn't, you weren't taught or trained to pay attention to in terms of sexuality? Uh, the responses from a partner can guide you. Where to go? So, my, <laughs> so mindfulness of your partner is, a, yes. is an area of paying attention. When, when you need to pay attention. To. Uh-huh. Great. And it, it, I don't mean to be narrow about that. It's a broad thing. It's in uh, uh, relationships with all kinds of people. There's a, a sexual tension in many parts of relationships, even very casual relationships. You're in line at the grocery store and the the female clerk is there and you're bantering because you're trying to have fun rather than just stand there like a jerk in the checkout line. You've got to watch that woman, assuming it's a woman for me. I need to watch her and see if this has any, if the fun of this doesn't cross some line, and uh, I get then I'm going to do some harm, and it may not be about sex at all. But, right. And it's the same way with uh, other types of relationships. Stay awake is the stay awake. Pay attention. So the idea. Uh, so it isn't just a matter of the actual sexual experiences, relationships we have, but sexuality can also include um, 
who we're attracted to and how we behave in relationship to who we're attracted to, their sexuality without a partner, and so how do we how are we mindful of that? Uh, their sexuality without sex, right? So how do we relate to the whole domain area of sexuality without sex? Um, there's you know there's a huge area, and the thing I want to underscore is two things that it's a huge area because it includes all of who we are our body, our mind, our hearts, our feelings, our intentions, our relationship to other people. It's a huge area. And, um, and that... Um, oh, now I forgot the second one. I had this in mind. So anyway, so it's a huge area that includes all of, all of what we're uh, being mindful, you know, our whole, our whole life. And that um, uh, it's a useful area to bring attention to. And it's an area where some people go asleep area where some people don't actually pay a lot of careful attention, partly because of the strength of desire, partly because of the strength of discomfort around it. There can be a lot of discomfort around it, um, or discomfort in certain areas. It's okay to do it with the lights out, or think about it with the lights out, or whatever, but, but you know, you don't want to be too public about it, even privately to oneself. So that sometimes not a lot of care is given to paying attention to this area of one's life. And so, uh, so this is what I wanted to remember, remember what I was going to say, is um, what I wanted to underscore here was the value of simple mindfulness to that domain without any concern about the ethics of it. And the ethics is important. I don't want to dismiss it. We'll get into that. But um, it's an area that's worthy of attention um, uh, and to free it from the, the real quick way in which we look at it in ethical ways. I think some people are very quick to see it as an ethical issue. And, um, and I think it obscures our ability to see clearly. So to be able to look at it in non-ethical ways, just what, what's, what, what else is going on here, I think is a very important way of becoming wise about this part of our lives. Yes, Arthur. Could you elaborate a moment on what you just said about looking at it Apart from the ethical part, you said it's a huge area. I mean, you, you spoke about it in a general way. Could you give an example of... I, I don't get it. I'm thinking if you give an example of how you mean to look at it. Sexuality. What? I can respond. Yeah, okay. You want to respond to it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he'll, he'll respond as well, but it, I want to respond to it too. Because it came up in our discussion about... One of the things that when we're, we're mindful and we're aware of our, our desire or sexuality or something along that line, one of, the, one of the things that I notice for myself is I get agitated. There's a sense of disquiet. There's a sense of the inability to be present, to drop into a sense of samadhi or ease because... The mind is that part of the mind, whether it's the heart mind or just the thinking mind, is agitated. So to me, that's a, a, a significant, besides the ethics of it, just the, our own sense of our own sense of well-being or ease is somewhat disturbed if we're not aware, if we're not mindful of that process occurring. And so that's one response to it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good, and um, but I think one one area is 
There can be a lot of, um, there can be sexual thoughts, there can be uh, pleasurable thoughts, fantasies, there can be sexual feelings that are pleasant, there can be sexual um, 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 desires that arise. And some people very quickly will interpret them or read them through the lens of, their, of ethics, the lens of messages they've gotten from society that it's wrong to be sexual, you shouldn't have desires. You shouldn't have uh, sexual pleasure, and um, and as opposed to just it's sexual, it's a, it's pleasure, it's a desire, it's a fantasy, it's pleasant. Uh, why bring in you know it's maybe it's private. Why bring in the issue of ethics? No one's being harmed. Then um, I mean, there are religions that teach that any sexuality is impure. It's a sin, kind of. It's dirty or something, and so it's it's so quickly people read it that way, and. Um, and, you know, one of the ways we read it is, I mean, there's probably a fair number of you here who there's, there's intimate details of your sexual life that you probably wouldn't want to stand up at IMC and let everyone here know. Because it's something, it's a, some, there's something about the privacy of it. Uh, and maybe it's connected, I don't know what it's connected to, but it's a very deep issue in, in human, human psyche to keep sexuality private. And the difference between private and public is closely connected to shame. And so it has to closely connected to ethics. And so it's, it's hard sometimes people approach their sexuality ethics-free. And, uh, and I think one of the really interesting examples has to do with masturbation. That's private, self-done. And uh, how many people feel ethics-free when they think about masturbating? I think, you know, maybe, maybe enough in your privacy of your, of your house, but... You know, you posted on Facebook today. I, <laughs> you know, there, you know, then it starts feeling a little bit off or something. That's what occurs to me. So what I was trying to emphasize here, but you missed the beginning, was to to say that, uh, you know, sexuality is worth looking at as a subject of mindfulness, independent of, the, of its ethics. And, and to do that, I think, makes ethical uh, decisions around sexuality a lot easier because we have a foundation for it. But if we see it through the filter of, a sex, of ethics, then we probably don't see it very clearly. Okay? So let's take a break. We'll, uh, 15 minutes, we'll start again at 11.30.